All rise. For real, all rise, please. Please welcome Dan and Celeste Sweet to the stage. Dan and Celeste, would you uh, join hands together? Let's pray. God, we are thankful for Dan and Celeste, uh, the way that they uh, live out faith, they live out service, they live out love. Uh, Today, this occasion with their family, friends, grandkids, and and others present, God, we're we're grateful that we get to see uh, an example of of what love is, and then also um, we are blessed as a church for their investment here and the way that they uh, serve, um, the way they multiply the good work that you've begun in them. We praise you for your perfect plan as we honor you today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we are blessed. You guys may be seated. You can all dance. Okay, so today we get to renew vows. Dan, you're standing closer to me than Celeste, okay? They're like, they're perfect. I'm a good looking man, man. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Oh, so... But um, renewing vows is an opportunity to further uh, express our commitment, love for one another uh, before God, that we have a growing and an enduring love. Uh, 38 years ago, you guys got married. It was uh, June 21st, 1980. That was a good year. You know what's funny about that is uh, we were asking how long you guys have been married, and Celeste said 37 years. So there was 37 good ones, and then there's that one we want to forget. So... Actually, 38 years ago. Oh, no, 1980 was a good year. That was the year Caddyshack came out. This is a great, great movie, you know? So there was a lot uh, going on. It also was a year that the song Another One Bites the Dust came out so by Queen, and that was you. So, yeah, that was, that was good. Um, but, no, you guys have two wonderful children, six grandkids, um, a horse, and uh, a few other animals and varmints and lots of friends running around you. You have friends and family that are here today, uh, many others that uh, are not here, some that are just supporting uh, just you from wherever they would happen to be. You guys have impacted a lot of people in this community, and we're honored to have you as part of our church. It's an honor today to be able to um, reflect what Christ has done in you, through you, and then lift high this commitment that you've made to him and one another. And I know as a church, we're a real stinking church, and, and you guys are a real stinking marriage. And as we talked about, hey, would you consider doing this? Both of you were like, oh, we don't have a perfect marriage. Like, what is the qualifying factors? This isn't like Camelot or anything. But um, it's perfect because you receive the invitation with humility. And then we ask for a little bit of dirt on one another just so that we could make it real. And uh, Dan wanted to say, Celeste, I love you even though you tell me what to wear all the time. (laughs) Celeste said, Dan, I love you, even though you won't let me throw away or organize anything in your shop. (laughs) And so marriage requires humility, it requires patience, and it comes with a great cost. In Philippians 2, the Bible really illustrates what that is, and it's exampled by what Christ has done for us. I want to share a few verses with you. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort and love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also the interests of others. 
Having this mind among yourself, which is also in Christ Jesus, who though was in the form of God, did not count himself equal um, to be equality to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to the death on a cross. And I know you guys have a surrendered heart to Jesus Christ, and, and he is preeminent in your life, in your marriage. And we ask ourselves, what's the purpose of life at times? And another question we ask ourselves is, what is the purpose of marriage? And it's the same thing, it's to, to glorify God. You know, marriage is not about our happiness. It's not even about one another. It's about love. It's about sacrifice, serving, giving, forgiving, and then doing those things over and over and over again. Sadly, we turn marriage into a contract rather than a covenant. And a covenant is what we're gathered here today to, to celebrate, to promise, to vow to one another. It's one that requires proof. It requires action. It's just not verbalizing something uh, a contract, it turns into like, hey, these are my rights, this is what I deserve, this is what I would want, and we end up putting ourselves in front of the other. But a covenant says, hey, I'm going to focus on my responsibilities, and I want to meet your needs and the interests of the other person. We say this a lot around here. If you don't like what you're getting, you got to look at what you're giving. And Jesus said in John 15, greater love had no man than this than to lay down his life for a friend. And the success that we've all been able to witness in your marriage and see, it comes down to sacrifice for one another. Communication, laying your life down just as Christ did. To have a a we marriage rather than a me marriage. And marriage isn't, um, it's about reflecting Jesus uh, to one another and sacrificing for one another. It's about giving time even though it may be not always convenient to do so. It's about sharing our hearts even when we would rather hold back. It's about cleaning the kitchen after a long weekend, even if it's your least favorite job. It's about choosing to respond in love when you'd rather respond in anger. It's about offering a listening ear, even when when you'd rather tune out, go to bed, watch a game, return text messages because you work at a church. Um, Or it's also putting needs of someone else in front of your own. It's giving up that last bite of cheesecake. Even cheesecake is so good. Isn't it, Dan? It's awesome. Delicious. (laughs) But giving it up so that your spouse can have the last bite and enjoy it. It's putting aside your rights for the rights of another. But marriage costs us a lot. It'll cost our heart, our time, our money, our comfort, our rights, and our pride. And Dan and Celeste, I know we've shared vows of commitment many, many years ago. But today, we once again get to share vows with each other. So Dan, once again, do you take this woman to be your wife, to love her, to cherish her in comfort and health and in sickness, in adversity and prosperity, forsaking all others for as long as you both may live? I do. And Celeste, do you once again take this man, Dan the man, <laughs> to be your husband, to love, to cherish, in comfort and sickness, in adversity and prosperity, forsaking all others for as long as you both may live. Thank you. And I know you each have prepared vows for one another. So we have a mic here. Dan, how about you go first so that Celeste can get the last word? Does that sound good? Yep. (laughs) Sounds good. Okay. Celeste, you are my dream come true from the first moment I met you. 
I knew I wanted you to be my wife and my mother of my children. I have chosen you to be my very best friend and wife and lover forever. You have been my rock and my inspiration through good times and not so good times. Most importantly, you have brought me to know our Lord and Savior. I vow to love and honor you as Christ loves us. I love you. Today, I renew my vows to you as my husband, as my best friend, and as the father of our children. You have taught me so many things about life, and you have shown me the meaning of love. You have always been by my side through the hardest of times and the best of times. We have learned that real love takes hard work and perseverance, and you have always loved me for who I am. We have dreamed dreams, we have had successes, and we have had failures. We have laughed together, and we have cried together. We have created the best memories with our children and faced sorrow, losing loved ones. We have made good decisions and some bad decisions, but the best decision of all has been the decision to stay together through all the uncertainties and trials of life. We have learned forgiveness by putting our faith and hope in God above each other. But most of all, I want to say thank you for giving me the happiest years of my life. Today, I renew my vows to the most generous, giving person I know, always eager and willing to serve and put others before yourself and to the best barbecuer ever. (laughs) I couldn't leave that out. I promise to remember that we are not perfect, but that we are perfect for each other. I promise to see the best in you, to encourage you, to forgive, and not give up. I promise to be with you whether life seems easy or whether it gets hard. I will try in every way to be worthy of your love for all the amazing things you do for me. I promise to pray with you, to serve Christ, and to grow with you in faith. Thank you. Let's pray together. God, we praise you for your graciousness, for the example that we have in front of us. Not a couple that just proclaims love for you or love for each other, but one that that lives it out, that serves one another graciously. They're an example to us, the example of forgiveness and and patience, love. They cling to the promise of a future and a hope that you you can provide. You've given us this purpose to, to love one another. God, I pray for their family, their marriage, and the beginning that we're seeing right now, but what's going to be the multiplication of people uh, coming to know you as Savior, the multiplication of, of children and, and grandchildren and great-grandchildren that will know and love and, and serve you. God, it's for your name that uh, we're standing here, where it's by your grace that we can make a covenant. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Dan, you may kiss your bride.
Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you, oh, hey, there we go, some flowers, Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Dan and Celeste Sweet. Wow, incredible vows, incredible commitment to one another. Uh, What an example we have um, in them. Uh, We've been blessed to have four different couples in each service. Um, Well, one in each service. Four, that's a long service. That's a typical service. You're going to get out early today. Um, But not yet. I've got some stuff to say. Uh, But uh, following our time here, there's a reception in the lobby. There's cupcakes for all of you. And we've got a little reception area for celebration for their family. And it's a way that you can uh, get over there. They've got like some kind of wedding cake. It's really nice. I think it's from Fred Meyer. Um, But they have an area that they get to enjoy um, together. But maybe, you know, you've been impacted by Dan and Celeste, and maybe you don't know them, and you just hear uh, the testimony of what they shared um, today. It gives us the opportunity to go and and share a few words um, with them, and maybe upgrade from a cupcake to a slice of cake or something. Um, But each of these four families are also registered at Target, and I think it's important to let you know that. Um, But... No, we're, we're thankful for, for them, and, and we're thankful for people being real stinking and then just saying, hey, we, we dedicate, we commit uh, to one another. And I thought it was a perfect day as we're in 1 Corinthians uh, 13. Uh, it talks about love, and if you have your Bibles or your phones, we'll have each of the verses on screen, but we're going to read the whole chapter and, and talk through it, as I said, for a couple of minutes. But we get kind of mixed messages about what love looks like. Um, in the life that we live, in the culture that we live in, that love is, it's, it's self-centered, it's, it's uh, focused on our needs rather than a, a, co- a covenant that says, hey, I'm willing to make sacrifice and, and all of that. And, and we think of marriage and we think of it being ideal and then we recognize that it's an ordeal and then sadly we start thinking about, can I get a new deal? Because it's not maybe what we thought that it would be. And, and many of us in this room have been through hard times. We've been through difficult things in our marriage, maybe for some even not married any longer or married uh, another time. And, and today is not about, you know, wish I could and wish it would. And if it was just this and if it's just more like, Lord, what are you teaching me about the Bible? What are you teaching me about love? And how can I open my heart? Because this First Corinthians 13, it's read at weddings a lot. People read it and it's like, oh, this is the love chapter. But it's actually like a rebuke. This group of people is being confronted because they're being jealous and they're backbiting and they're arguing and infighting's going on. And they're also like loving God and people are coming to Jesus, but they're having a difficult time getting on and getting along. And so, you know, Paul is saying, hey, let me correct a few things. And so he's saying it begins with love. This relationship that we have with one another, it's not just about marriage, it's our brothers, our sisters, those who we do life and do church with, we're in community with, the neighbors that live uh, down the street from us, family members, and some of you are like, I was born into this family, I can't help it, well, we're called to love one another. Um, Some of you, I'm married into this family, I can't help it, well, we're called to to love one another. At Rock Harbor, you hear a lot about love and lead, and, and we strategically put the word love first, because we, lead, we love first and we lead second. Love first, lead second. When you hear us talk about volunteering here, we're saying, hey, we're looking for leaders. We're looking for people to step up in their leadership, and our desire would be that it would flow out of love. Love first, lead second. And this passage that can look, be looked at as um, kind of poetic, um, but 
it's pretty confrontational. And so as much as we have a cute couple and we have this romantic moment and we're sharing vows and I'm just being like the minister, you know, that's officiating. Now I'm kind of like the preacher with a suit on that's probably about to get a rash right now. That's about, (laughs) I don't wear suits often, Um, but I'm going, hey, we got to dive into the word and we need to be confronted by scripture. I don't think I'm going to get all sweaty and need a hanky or anything like that, but it's pretty real what's being said here. Scripture should confront us. It should crush us to say what needs to change about me. It should recreate us so that we look for a new normal. We, we renew a commitment. We're saying, hey, I've fallen away. I used to be more kind. I used to be more patient. What has happened? How can I? Rather than why don't they, how can I fall into what the Lord would have of me? And a question I want to pose to you guys today is, am I a good lover? I told him not to put that on the screen because that looks weird in a picture. Am I a good lover? Keith Harrington. Um, no. <laughs> we need to ask that question of ourselves. okay? Am I loving people well? Am I loving people well for who they are, who they are in Christ, who Christ is forming them to be? 1 Corinthians 13, 1 says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clinging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith as to remove mountains but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give away all that I have to deliver up my body to be burned and I do not have love, I gain nothing. See, love is enriching. Enrichment means it it makes us better. It grows us. It adds value. It adds hope. See, true love enriches all that it touches. True and authentic, real love, it enriches all that it touches. See, when we read this, we know this passage right before, it's talking about all these different spiritual gifts and it's saying, whoa, 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 whoa. The biggest gift, the greatest gift, there's one gift that's above all other gifts and it's this gift of love. You may have these gifts, they're just clanging cymbals. It's just the sound of a gong. What we've been given is this gift of love that softens. It brings hope. See, people don't care how much you know, right? Until they know how much you care. And love is the avenue in which we we share and we deeply can impact the lives of other people. Verse 4 says, love's patient, it's kind. It doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, it's not arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoings, but it rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and love endures all things. Love should be edifying. Knowledge builds up. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Love enriches us. Do you love people? Do you love purely for what you get out of it? See, giving love to someone simply because of who they are, who they are in Christ, not for what we can get out of them. C.S. Lewis says it this way, most people, when they think of love, they're thinking of hunger. They want something from them. See, the love that we see in Hollywood, the love that we see, which is some romanticized version of a Nicholas Sparks, you know, book, I'm sure, Brandon, you read those, Um, you know, and you watch those movies, you know, and, and what you get is actually infatuation. It's, it's hunger for what I can get out of a relationship rather than what I can give to a relationship. It's feeding off of a person. 
And we're gaining from that rather than giving towards that. That verse says love bears all things. What that means is bears the weight of life. In a marriage, in a friendship, we should be saying, how can I make the weight that you're bearing lighter? How can I serve you rather than look at all that I'm doing? But rather to say, hey, how can I serve? How can I take some weight? How can I make your life lighter? For the name of Jesus. Verse 8, love endures all things, love never ends. For as prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. For when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I thought like a child and I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up these childish ways. For now we see dimly in a mirror, but then having been known fully for face to face. For I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. For now faith, hope, and love abide These three, the greatest of these, is love. He's saying, like, I can't even write to you as adults because you're acting like children. You're acting like kids. You're fighting. You're thinking about yourself. I can't even address you as adults. And what you currently see, you're not seeing the bigger picture. You're seeing, like, this finite life, this this limited information that you see in front of you. And you're determining the way that you distribute your love based on what you can actually see rather than... It's just dim right now. There's going to come a time when the light is shown more and more. And the more we move into the likeness of Jesus Christ and surrendering our heart and sacrificing of ourselves, the more that we'll recognize the fullness of what it means to really give love and really receive love and really sacrifice in love. So we have to grow up. We have to mature, which means loving when you don't like, loving even when you're unlovable. Loving when they're unlovable. Loving through a troubled friendship. As followers of Jesus, the goal should be to love as Christ did, offering himself. In marriage, it's saying, in spite of you, I still do. And it's also looking at that other person saying, in spite of you, I still do. Well, in spite of you, I still do. It's being patient. It's being kind. It's enduring. It's a sacrificial love. See, real love is steeped in service. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but rather to serve. See, real love is steeped in service. See, what if Dan was like, oh man, Celeste, I love you so much. I can't tell you how much I love you. Could you bring me some, I'm watching a game right now. Could you bring me some stuff? But I love you, man. Oh, I love you. I love how you walked from the kitchen over here to give me that. Man, I love you so much. Oh, man, I love you so much. What are we going to eat tonight? Like, I love you so much. I love you so... Thank you so much for cleaning the garage and not throwing any of my stuff away. I just love the way you do that. I love how you take care of the house when I go hunting. I can't tell you how much I love you in that. At some point, Celeste is going to say, Yo, Dan, you love yourself, bro. You love yourself. You love what you can get out rather than what you can give to See, we can find that funny, and I've been in ministry 20 years, and I've been able to see lots of things. And when I was 12 years old, I actually started teaching a Sunday school class. You're like, that's young. Hey, dude, my church was desperate, okay? I was like, they're like, do you have a pulse? You're 12? You can, you're a farm kid. You can drive. Sounds great. See you Sunday, you know? So I'm teaching a Sunday school class, and 
I've heard over and over uh, those days and even now where people, oh man, I just love this church. Oh my gosh, I love this church. I love Rock Harbor. I can't tell you how much I love it here. Man, today was so good. I just love it. At some point you want to say, (laughs) bro, you love it so much, why don't you start serving? (laughs) It's been two years, you love it? We serve things that we love. Hey, in the 815 service, I said that right there. I started going, (laughs) you know, doing that whole thing. A light broke right there. Boom, went down, burned this lady in the arm. Not even kidding. A light was like, boom, it was like fire came from heaven. We had more people sign up to serve. It was like a God moment than we've ever seen. People are like, that lady's like, I'll sign up for seven ministries. I just don't want to go to hell. You know, it was like the, the light, just the filaments were coming. Now you guys are looking up. You're like, are we in the danger zone? Yes, you are, Crosby. It's coming down on your head. Okay. Can't wait to see what you sign up for. Um, but anyways, that's, that's, that's the whole thing is we, you know, we hear it and we say, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I've got these things, but I love, I love, I love. Is it steeped? In service, man, it got quiet and weird, and I made an awkward laugh, but I got a really good point out. Um, but are we willing to say, I love, so I'm going to serve? I love, so I'm going to study. You know, Celeste is not the same person 38 years ago that worked at Idaho Pizza before it was Idaho Pizza. It was called Round Table. Yeah, Round Table. Whoa, holla back over here. <laughs> so... When Dan met her, he's thinking she's a cute pizza girl. And she's thinking, hey, I want some of that. You know what I mean? Sweet? Who wouldn't want the last name of Sweet? Celestial Sweets. That's like a dessert company. (laughs) Celestial Sweets. Heavenly Sweets, right? Okay. You know? And this happened, but they've changed over time. That got weird. Okay? (laughs) But they've changed over time. They're not the same people. You know why? Life changes. There weren't kids. Then there are kids. Then there's grandkids. Then there's some little pony that one of the grandkids had to have that's running around the house, you know? There's crazy neighbors like Jim right here, you know? There's, there's people that come into your life and things get a little bit different and you have to study your spouse. You have to study and say, hey, it's a little bit different. And hey, we've gone through some difficult times. And as was said in the vows, we've been through the toughest of times together, but we've hung on. To say, I'm willing to study. I'm willing to, to do the work. I'm willing to offer myself as a living sacrifice because I've received this gift of salvation. And every good and perfect thing comes down from God that I don't deserve this, but I'm going to pursue it. And First John 4 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. Some of you in this room, you have fear in you. You're worried that if you display love to someone, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a brother or sister, a neighbor, someone there, there's a a wedge in a relationship and you're worried, you're fearful that if you show them love, what are they going to do in return? See, perfect love, it casts out all fear. It says, I've been loved by one. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I may not be able to win that person over, but I can show them love. Are you willing to take that step? This is not a message directed towards marriages. Yes, we had a vow renewal. It's a conversation about what does love really look like? What does sacrifice look like? What does service look like? Because you know what love does? 
It restores. It makes new. It unifies. It casts out fear. It brings security. It brings hope. And most importantly, love reflects the one who is the author and the finisher of our faith and our love. It reflects Christ. Are you reflecting Christ? Are you a lover of Jesus? And if so, are you a lover of people? Even when it's hard.